You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter number 23, we'll begin reading in verse number 34. The Bible says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barchaeus, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Uh, I thank the Lord for the privilege we have to be in church. And I thank you so much for being here uh, on this uh, 4th of July weekend. And uh, I love our church. I love our country. And uh, I love the Lord. I love uh, what God is doing here. Uh, by the way, last Sunday night, we announced in the service, we've got two new uh, staff members that are coming in August. And so we posted on Facebook but I always forget, some of you are not on Facebook, and that's okay if you're not on Facebook. That might not be a bad idea. Uh, but Miss uh, Grace, I'll see if we can get those posts on the website this week. And I hope you'll add to our prayer, your prayer list our new staff members that are coming. And uh, how many of you know that moving is not easy? Let me see your hands, all right? Put your hands down. How many of you have, have moved in the last 10 years? Let me see your hands. You've moved from one house to another, okay? You know you know that moving is not easy. And that's if you move even across town. But imagine moving from another place. And so hope you pray for these folks as they come. And we're excited about them coming. And they, we certainly want to encourage them and help them as they get here to get settled. Uh, also, I mentioned last Sunday night, but Patricia, we're so proud of you getting saved last week. And getting it settled once and for all uh, that you know Jesus Christ, your Savior. And we thank the Lord for you and your daughter. Y'all been a blessing. You've been coming. And uh, I hope you'll encourage Patricia uh, in, uh, in that great decision. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, don't let the devil, don't let the devil uh, lull you into thinking it's not a big deal. Uh, don't let Satan tell you, oh, you can take care of it another time. The Bible says that today is the day. Now is the time. Uh, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but God's given us this day. And I thank the Lord for that. Matthew 23 in your Bibles, I want to preach for a few moments this morning on this subject, Jesus' plea for his country. Now, you say, well, Jesus came and he didn't really talk a lot about politics and all that, and I understand that. Uh, the Apostle Paul, if you read the writings of Paul, he wasn't out to try to reform the, the Roman Empire. I understand those things. I do want to remind you that neither Jesus nor the Apostle Paul, nor the disciples, they didn't have the privilege that we have to be in a Republican form of government. They didn't have the opportunity to vote. 
They didn't have the opportunity to make their voice heard. As a matter of fact, you made your voice heard against Nero or you made your voice heard against Herod, they'd kill you. And I want to tell you, I want to remind you that although politics is not our main focus, our main focus is the gospel. Our main focus is preaching the Bible. Our main focus is Jesus Christ and, and we love him supremely. But let's not neglect the privilege God has given us in this country. Number one, to have a Christian nation. But then number two, to be able to do something uh, to, to influence our nation for that which is right and that which is holy and that which is godly. And uh, I hope that uh, you do not shirk the responsibility that you have as a citizen of the United States of America. We need to pray for our country and we need to do all we can to make a difference. But in Matthew 23, Brother Dan read it for us, I find Jesus' plea for his country. Now, as, as I read the Bible, I try to, I try to picture it in my mind. Uh, I, I try to imagine it. I try to hear as Jesus is talking. Now, the first part of Matthew 23, Jesus talks about the scribes and Pharisees. And I won't take the time to go through all of this, but uh, let's look quickly at a few verses. Jesus said he warned of the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 3, he said, they say, but they don't do. Did you know that's a danger that every one of us can fall into? that we can get to where our Christianity is all talk. We talk about prayer. We talk about Bible reading. We talk about soul winning. We talk about giving. We talk about serving. We talk about forgiving. We talk about love. We talk about kindness. We talk about things, but we don't do them. How many of you know that's a problem? That well, Two of us know that. Folks, I was planning to get you out of here by noon, but if that's the response we're going to get, it might be a 1 or 1.30 message. No, no. But how many of you know the idea of the Christian life is not just to say, but the object of the Christian life is to do. It's to be real. The Pharisees, they say and they do not. Verse 4, the Bible says that the Pharisees and the scribes, they give all the heavy burdens to everybody else, but they don't even want to lift a finger. Now, I want to tell you, you got to watch out because that mindset is infiltrating our nation that everybody wants the benefit, but nobody wants to work. Everybody wants the reward, but nobody wants to put in the time and the effort and the labor. And I understand in the work of the Lord that we are laboring, not alone, but we're laboring together with God. I understand that God's got to do the work and God's got to bless, but God expects us to be faithful. God expects us to do our best, to do our part. And the Pharisees, they wanted everybody else to do it, but they themselves were not willing to. Verse number five, Jesus said that what they did was to be seen of men. Now, please don't raise your hand. Please don't write me a note after the service and say, Pastor, you were talking just to me. I'm talking to all of us here. But I wonder this morning when we were getting ready for church and we were, you know, you, 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 you comb your hair. Well, some of us comb our hair. Those of us that have hair. Um, you comb your hair, you brush your teeth, you, you put on your, your nice clothes, you come to church, and you know if we're not careful, we do everything to be seen of men, don't we? We're wondering, is somebody going to notice, or is somebody going to be impressed? Or even if you say, well, I didn't do that, well, we didn't want to embarrass ourselves, right? But can I tell you, although I'm all for looking our best, and I think that's absolutely uh, the right thing to do, it's a good testimony, 
But did you know, number one, we ought to do what we do, not to be seen of men, but to please the Lord? And I wonder how many of us came to church this morning saying, you know, I'm really not worried what everybody else thinks, but I do want to please the Lord. And I do want my motives to be right. And I do want to do what I'm doing for the right reason. Now, if you came to church and you say, oh, pastor, I wasn't even really thinking about pleasing the Lord. I just came because it's the right thing to do. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here. But let's take it to the next step. And let's ask God to work in our hearts. And let's ask God to help us to be real from the inside out. The Pharisees, they did what they did to be seen of men. Verse 6, they were looking for a position. Verse 7 and 8, they just wanted people to call them rabbi. Now, first of all, please don't ever call me rabbi. I'm not a rabbi. Uh, you don't have to call me reverend. You don't have to. I'm certainly not. A, I mean, I am a father, but not of you. I'm a father of Lacey and Savannah and Chloe and Kylie and Micah. But I don't mind. You can call me pastor. You can call me preacher. You can call me brother or whatever. Uh, I prefer not jerk and stupid and all those things. But, but the Pharisees, it was all about the respect and the honor of men. That word rabbi, that title, it meant honorable one, a master, a great one. Friend, I want to tell you, there ain't none of us that are great. Only God is great. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We're just a bunch of sinners. We're just a bunch of folks that have failures and flaws and shortcomings, and we all need the grace of God. Let's not see if we can try to impress people. Let's just strive to please the Lord. We get to verse 11. Jesus said, He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. That, that blows the mind of the worldly philosophers. Because the world says, if you're going to be great, you got to climb the corporate ladder. You got to step on people. You got to kick people out of the way. You got to fight and you got to scrap and do whatever it takes to get to the top. Jesus says the opposite. Jesus says, if you want to be great, see how low you can go. See how humble you can be. See how much you can serve. And greatness is not measured by how many people serve you. Greatness is measured by how many people you and I serve. And that is great in the sight of the Lord. Jesus is the perfect example of that. Jesus came not to be served, not to be ministered unto, but Jesus came to serve and to minister and to give his life a ransom for us. We get to verse number 12. Jesus talks about those that would exalt themselves, they'll be abased. Those that would humble themselves, they would be exalted. And then from verses 13 to verse 33, I won't read all these verses, but Jesus says to the Pharisees and scribes, woe unto you. He said, you better straighten up. You better get right. You better watch out because judgment is coming and you are in trouble. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them fools. He calls them blind. He calls them uh, uh, people that are full of hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is saying one thing and doing another. Hypocrisy is trying to impress somebody over here when in reality that's not what you are. And Jesus calls the scribes and Pharisees, he says, you are a generation of vipers. You're a bunch of snakes. And Jesus condemns the scribes and the Pharisees. Now say, pastor, who are the scribes and Pharisees? That's the problem. These were the people that claimed to be religious. These were the people that claimed to know God. 
These were the people that should have been the ones that were leading people to God, but in reality, they were driving people away from God. And we get to Matthew 23 in verse number 34, and Jesus says, this nation, the nation of Israel, has got a problem. And I want you to notice with me, what is the solution? What did Jesus say that Israel should have done to avoid the destruction that was around the corner? I want you to notice quickly. It says in verse number 34, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you, what's the next word? Prophets. Jesus said, you want to know what the answer is for Israel? Jesus said, I've already sent them. They're prophets. You know what a prophet is? A prophet is a preacher. A prophet is a man of God. The Bible dictionary definition is a prophet is a man who is moved and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. A prophet is a spokesman for God. It is a man that declares to men what he has received by inspiration. He is one that preaches the kingdom of God and preaches salvation to mankind. A prophet is one who has power to instruct, to comfort, to encourage, to rebuke, and to convict the hearers. Friend, I want to tell you, Jesus gave the answer for Israel. He said, I sent you some prophets. I sent you some preachers. I sent you some men that were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, and you didn't listen. Now, friend, I want to tell you, I'm here today, and I am a preacher. I thank God that he has called me to be a preacher. I've got nothing new to tell you. I've got no special divine revelation to tell you except what you hold in your hand, the word of God that is inspired. It is preserved. It is inerrant. It is infallible. And this book has the answer for our nation. This book has the answer for D.C. It's got the answer for Raleigh. It's got the answer for Roanoke Rapids. This book is the answer for our country. And if we want God to bless America, we're going to have to get back to doing it God's way. The answer for the nation, Jesus said, I've sent the prophets, the preachers. I want to tell you today, you say, well, pastor, I'm not a preacher, so responsibility's off me. Oh, no. You may not be a preacher, but God's given you and I a responsibility to receive the message from the preacher. I wonder sometimes, and I understand, we've all been there. I've been there myself. I've gone to a church service, and I was wiped out. I was tired. As a matter of fact, while the service was going on, I was even looking at my pockets. You say, well, of course you were. You were looking for breath mints. No, I was beyond breath mints. I needed toothpicks. And I was going to try what they do in the cartoons. You know, you get the toothpicks and you pry your eyelids open and it works in the cartoons. I'm not sure that it works in real life. But I've been there. I've been in services where I was just trying to stay awake. I've been in services where I was just trying to just get through. I had a lot on my mind. I had a lot on my plate. I had a lot of things I was worried about. But friend, I want to tell you, if you're here this morning and you, that's you, you say, how did you know I was looking for toothpicks, you know? Because I've been there. But here's what I'm saying. I'm glad you're here. And the answer is not to say, oh, well, fine, I won't even come. No, you need to come. And you need to do what God wants you to do. And you need to get in a place where there's preaching and teaching. But then let's take it to the next step. And then let's get in a service and let's say, God, what do you have for me? God, God what are you trying to give me today? What is the message for me? Because I guarantee you, God's got something for you. And I promise you, I may not say it exactly like it needs to be said, but the Holy Spirit of God, he can show you and he can open your eyes and he can illuminate you to see what it is that you need from the word of God. 
How do we respond to the preachers? I think we ought to listen to preachers. I think we ought to encourage preachers. And I'm not asking that for myself. You folks are encouraging. You folks are wonderful. But I tell you, anytime a guest preacher comes, I think we ought to encourage them. Uh, anytime a missionary comes, I think we ought to encourage them. Uh, anytime we have a, an evangelist that comes, I think we ought to encourage them. God has given us preachers. The preachers, the messengers are those that God has sent so that we could see a nation turned around. Not only preachers. Notice what it says in verse 34. Behold, I send unto you prophets and what kind of men? Wise men. Oh, we need some of those. How many of you know that common sense is no longer common? How many of you know people are looking for wisdom and they're looking in all the wrong places? People need to get back to the wisdom of God. And we need some wise men and we need some wise women. We need some folks that you've been saved for five or ten years and you've grown in the Lord. And you've grown in wisdom and you've increased in wisdom and you've gotten a hold of God. And you've studied the Bible and you've prayed and you've been down the road and you've seen some things that you can help to pass on to the next generation. We need some parents with some wisdom. I tell you, as, as children, as they get older, they're looking to a parent to have some wisdom and some discernment. And friend, we need people in this nation that will have some wisdom that comes from God. Wisdom doesn't come from turning on the television for three hours every night and absorbing Wisdom doesn't come from, from talk radio. Wisdom doesn't come from reading the newspaper. I'm not against those things. If, if, that, if that could be helpful to you, then, then so be it. I'm not sure if three hours of television is going to be helpful to you, but, but here's what I am saying. We need to get in the Word of God. And this isn't just a Sunday morning thing. This isn't just a, okay, I came to church, so I got my Bible for the week. That's like me going home today and eating a meal and telling my wife, say, I'm not going to eat for another week. We need physical food, but we need spiritual food. We need wisdom. The Bible says that God sent prophets. He sent wise men. And then he sent scribes. A scribe is a man who has been instructed in the word of God and who is then able to teach others the Bible. I'll tell you this. In a church, there needs to be more Bible teaching than just what comes from the pulpit. There are Sunday school classrooms around here that have teachers. Uh, I sit every week, uh, unless I'm out of town, I sit in the Victory Bible class. And Brother Dan, he teaches that class. And can I tell you, I need teaching. I, I need the Bible. I, and it's amazing how you say, well, you're the pastor. I get something out of it every week. Uh, and I'm not even talking about just the jokes. I get other stuff. I get good stuff out of it. And not just the, the latest gossip of what's going on in the Bybee family. I love hearing about the Bybee family. And, I mean, it, it got into all kinds of great stuff. Alexis, you were brought up this morning and everything. Let me just tell you, it was awesome. But can I tell you, we've got teachers. We've got teachers in our adult classes and our teen classes and our children's classes. And we've got teachers in our, our bus junior churches. And we've got teachers in our Wednesday night summer kids club. And we've got Christian school teachers. And we need some people that know the Bible and that study the Bible and can teach it to somebody else. That's the answer. The message for the nation, the hope for the nation. What was the solution for the nation of Israel? God sent Preachers, God sent wise men, God sent scribes. I'm going to call these number one. These were the messengers. May God help us to receive the message that they have given. Number one, the messengers. Number two, the message. These prophets and these wise men and these scribes, they're not the most important. The most important is what they have to say. 
And the most important thing that any of us have to say is what thus saith the Lord. You see, this is the answer right here. The preachers all throughout the history, and Jesus said it, hey, all the way from Abel, who you killed, all the way to Zechariah, who wrote the book of Zechariah at the end of the Old Testament, he said every one of those that you killed, they had something that you needed. They had something that would have helped you if you would have listened. The message of the prophets was this, repent. Ooh, that's not popular. That doesn't draw crowds. Boy, that doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy, but it's what we need. And the preachers preached and the prophets preached, repent. They preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They preached judgment is coming. They preached, you better get right with God. You better get saved. Then Jesus comes on the scene. <laughs> You're not going to get a better preacher than Jesus. And you know what Jesus preached? Repent. Jesus preached, you must be born again. Jesus didn't say you must join the church. Jesus didn't say you must be baptized. Jesus said, didn't say you must be a good person. Jesus said, if you're going to go to heaven, you must be born again. That's the message. Jesus preached, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus preached, follow me. Jesus preached, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus delivered the message. That is the message of the Word of God. The message today is this, Jesus loves you. You say, well, pastor, how do we know that Jesus loves us? Notice verse number 37. Jesus said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that was the capital city of the nation of Israel. That was the, 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 the political headquarters. That was the spiritual headquarters. He said, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often? Would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. The message is that Jesus came to these people. He loved these people. He wanted to protect these people. He wanted to save these people. He wanted to deliver them from the wrath to come. I remember as a boy in Sunday school, and I thank the Lord that I had parents that, that, that brought me to church and brought me to Sunday school, and we went to church on Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and you say, oh, pastor, you poor thing. No, I thank God for it. I thank God. I've never met a young person that got too much Bible. No, I've met some young people that got too much of the world. I've met some young people that got too much of the rock and roll music and got too much of the cussing and swearing and immorality and got too much of that, but I've never met somebody that got too much of the Word of God. But when I was a boy in Sunday school, I remember a, a, a teacher, I don't remember which one, but I remember sitting in a classroom, and I remember a teacher telling this story. And I know, you know, I know where it came from. It came from this passage. But the teacher told the story of there was a farm, and the farm had a fire. And, and during that fire, that mother hen, she gathered the baby chicks under her body, and the fire passed. And when they went to clean up, they found under that mother hen, they found the baby chicks, and they were still alive. I remember as a boy thinking, wow, that's pretty awesome. But I got to tell you, I don't know if that story's true or not. Sounds good. But I can't tell you, I can't verify the validity of that story. But I can verify the validity of this story. And that is that Jesus became the sacrifice. Jesus gathered us under his wings and Jesus gathered us under his arms. 
And Jesus took upon himself uh, the, the cross and the, and the punishment and the agony and the torture. And Jesus gave his life so that we could live. I know that story is true. And that is the message of the Bible, that Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life so that you could be saved. I see the messengers, number one. Number two, the message. But number three, I see the mistake. The mistake is found in verse number 37 that Jesus said, I would have gathered you together and ye would not. They said no. The mistake was that Jesus sent the prophets and they said, we don't want to hear it. The mistake was that they sent the scribes and Jesus sent the scribes and the wise men and they said, we don't want to hear it. We don't like that. That messes our lifestyle up. And the mistake was that they rejected the message of God. I see quickly number four, the misery. Verse 38, Jesus said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. The word desolate means to be uninhabited. It means to be lonely. It means to be solitary. It's literally what you would imagine a war zone to be after the war. And as Jesus is speaking to these people in Matthew 23 shortly before he was crucified, which we believe was about 32 or 33 A.D., we do know from history that in 70 A.D., Jerusalem was annihilated. Jerusalem was destroyed. The city was burned down. The temple was destroyed. The people were killed. The people were tortured. The people that did escape, they ran for their lives just trying to find food, just trying to find a place of safety. And many of them did not escape. And Jesus, the omniscient God, the creator of the universe that sees the beginning from the end, he looked ahead and he saw the destruction that was coming. He knew what those people and their children would face in just 36, 37 years from the time that he spoke. He knew what was coming. And he said, folks, I got to tell you, because you have rejected the prophets, because you have rejected the message, because you have rejected me, there is misery ahead for you. And friend, I want to tell you, I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to warn you. I want to tell you, when you say no to God, there's not a good outcome ahead. When you tune out the Holy Spirit of God, when you say no to God, when a nation says no to God, when a nation tries to kick God out, uh, when government tries to get rid of God, I want to tell you, that does not have a happy ending. And that is why we ought to receive the message and we ought to say, Lord, I believe in God. I want to change and I want to take the truth and I want it to impact my life. I see the misery number four. And lastly, I'm done. I see in verse number 39, I see the memo. Now, if you're 30 years of age and below, you probably don't know what a memo is. But a memo is a short note designating something to be remembered, especially something that needs to be done or acted upon in the future. A memo is a reminder. In verse 39, Jesus gives a reminder. He says, For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus foretold of his coming back to the nation of Israel. Now, we know that Jesus is coming in the clouds and we'll meet him in the, in the air at the rapture. 
After that, there will be a seven-year period of tribulation, which is a time that God deals with Israel because of them rejecting the Messiah. And at the end of those seven years, Jesus will come back and he will set foot in Jerusalem and he will sit on the throne and Jesus Christ will rule and reign for a thousand years in Jerusalem. There'll be peace, hallelujah for that. But Jesus said, I gotta give you one more reminder. You've heard about the messengers, you've heard the message, you're making a mistake and there's gonna be some misery. But number five, I just gotta tell you, there's a reminder. And friend, I wanna tell you tonight, it's not tonight yet, it's 12.01, this afternoon. How many of you think it feels like tonight I've been preaching so long? Don't, don't raise your hand, Brother Graham, that was smooth, Brother Graham. I like how you kind of put your hand up and just kind of, that was, that was smooth, you got me there. Just for that, we're going to add another, no. But I got to tell you, this morning, this afternoon, at 12.01, I got to tell you, Jesus is coming back. And what you and I do with the messengers and what we do with the message is up to us. Our nation seems to be going down the wrong road. I don't know what's going to happen in 2024. I don't know who the president's going to be. But I'm not real worried about who the president is. I'm more worried about what I need to do in regards to what God is speaking to me about. I'm more, I'm more concerned about the people I'm responsible for, my family. I'm more concerned about the church. I'm more concerned about uh, our, our city, our, our Jerusalem. I'm more concerned with what can we do and what is God telling us? What's the message for today that we need to respond to? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.